listening to the Autism 411 podcast with Dr. Tamara Moody from the South Florida Autism Charter School. Welcome to another edition of the Autism 411 podcast from South Florida Autism Charter Schools. I'm John Roger alongside Dr. Tamara Moody, your host for the program. And today we're going to have a special topic talking about siblings and autism. Hello, Dr. Moody. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. This is a very special topic to me. Um, I've gotten a lot of parents asking questions and um, in my last couple of years, I've done a bunch of workshops and I'm always left with being very impressed, also being very concerned at the same time. So I'm very happy to have Mr. Y be my guest today and I'm excited to hear what he has to say and what he has to share. Certainly, you know, Mr. Y, obviously for those who are not familiar, he's uh, one of your employees here at the school but he's also a, um, a, a family member with a, with a he has a brother that has autism so this is something that's in his world that he kind of knows and it, it really does give us the opportunity to hear a perspective of a family side because a lot of times we're just talking about the structure of it or we're talking about what autism is but we don't really bring in that human factor which is what do, what do relatives feel what do brothers and sisters feel when they have a child or, or they have a, a family member that's on the spectrum in their own family. Yes, I think it's extremely important. And that's one of the things that I've always pride ourselves um, as facts is that we look and see what we need to be doing in the community. And this is why we have these topics and we have these workshops. And I want our, our listeners to know that we're going to be doing this on a monthly basis. We're going to be bringing in folks so we could bring that human factor to what we're doing. And, and, and hopefully with us doing that, it will be able to help those who are listening because um, I think it's important that you know you're not by yourself that there's people out there that's experiencing the same thing and I hope at the end of all these different um, podcasts that folks are left softer feeling better feeling like wow okay it's not just me you know that makes a lot of sense well let's go ahead and introduce Mr. Y then hi how are you hey great how's your day Good, good, good. Awesome. So, um, so autism and being a sibling, uh, who is older, you or your brother? Me. Yeah. By nine years. By nine years. Wow. Yeah. How's that been for you? At first it was tough. But what do you mean tough? Define tough. Define tough. Mm, during my high school years, I used to go to sleep at 2, 3 a.m. because he would be awake until late at night. And how, like, you know, I often wonder, like working in the field, like how did your parents explain that to you you know because you nine years older you he's one years old and you're 10. so how did they explain that you know your brother's a little bit different i'm so sorry that you're you know you have to wake up or you go to sleep so late or so early like how did they explain that so that you don't have any kind of resentment because i've done many workshops with siblings over the years um, from three years old to 40 something years old, I have met with siblings. And one of the things that I often, you know, like it's been difficult for me as a professional in the field is how I can support the siblings, right? How can I be the principal to them as well or that person that they feel like they could talk to as well? Because I think it's important that they have a voice and that they feel like there's someone that they can talk to. So who did you talk to? Getting to this country in, two, in 1998, I was nine years old, and my brother was born the January of the same year. We got into this country in May 10th. So my mom would take me everywhere with her because she didn't have anybody to leave me in um, with. It was just 
my mom, dad, my brother, and my grandfather who helped us get here. So she didn't have anybody to leave us with during the day, so she would take me along with her to all of his appointments. I remember his first appointment with a psychiatrist in, I believe, Jackson. They told her that he wouldn't be able to turn on a light. They told her he would have lots of limitations in his life, and he has proven all of them wrong. Yes, I remember when I first got him as a student, I'm proud to say he did not speak, and now he speaks. Yeah. So I am... Um, I'm very, that was an accomplishment I was able to see because I saw it firsthand. But then how did that make you feel? Because did you feel that like burden? And I hate to use the word burden, but did you feel that, oh my God, I'm going to have to take care of him now because what's going to happen? Yeah. Uh, lots of times my friends will go out and I would tell them, hey, I can't come. Like I'm watching my brother, my parents are doing the groceries or they have to visit a family member because they're sick. So I would miss out on some like social interactions with my peers of the same age. But like I understood that it was a necessary thing for like the cohesion of my family. But then how, how do you explain that to, to other siblings though? Because I think it's important that like a person like you that's in the field and you're doing so amazing. I would, I've never seen you feel stressed, look stressed, you know, not able to... to to function, you function quite well. Well, we've had a couple of tardies. Right. <laughs> because I know that, you know, behaviors or whatever, but for the most part, you've been amazing. So how would you tell a person that sibling just got diagnosed mm-hmm. and how to be as positive and a role model that you are? Uh, how do you teach, how, what would you tell them? What kind of thing that you could tell them so that they could be who you are? Because you're amazing. I would tell them that in life we have to deal with the hand that we are dealt and the faster they come to the conclusion that this is a situation that they just need to break through and understand that their sibling is different, but that doesn't mean they don't have the capability to grow and learn the same way they do. Like at, at a younger age, I remember without even knowing it, I was teaching him how to tact. Like I would want him to give me the remote and I would go up to and I would tell him remote and point to it and he wouldn't. But then I would go up to it, I would hold up the remote and I'd be like remote and point to it, remote. And then I'd give it to him and I'd put it back where it was and then I'd go up to him and I would sit next to him and I would tell him remote. And then he would get up and go get it and give it to me. Already you were doing ABA even before <laughs> you start working at SFAX. That's, that's, that's amazing. But I still think that there must have been something there must have been, was that just natural or something your parent did or something your parents did? Because I hear this on a daily basis that parents are struggling with their neurotypical child that is just having a hard time with their siblings having autism. So did your parents have a talk with you or, or it's just because you just had to, you, like, you, you know, or maybe it's a generation, who knows, right? Um, but why do you think that the generation of siblings that I'm seeing now, not all, but some is struggling so much with the fact that they have a, a brother or sister with autism? It could be lack of understanding because maybe the parents are shielding them from the truth, not laying all the facts on the table. So they may not understand that like, hey, once mom and dad are gone, you're going to have to carry on with your brother. Yeah. And they haven't come to that conclusion yet because, like I said, their parents may be shielding them from that fact because it is a hard fact that now you have to gear your life around somebody that is part of your family. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I just have to ask, 
So I know I know your parents, right? Mm-hmm. So what's gonna happen? Like, have you have they thought of that? Because at the end of the day, when I meet with parents and they ask me these questions, um, and this was why I felt that I needed to have you on because I felt like you were so positive, always looked like everything was well set and put together. Um, when your parents are no longer around, doesn't that make you feel like, oh, because now I'm gonna have to take on that responsibility? You know, you're going to get married one day, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and your spouse may give you that be okay at first, but your brother is, is a big boy. He's a big man. Yeah. He's a man, right? You know, you're going to be placed in situations sometimes that it's going to be difficult for your other family. And I know he's your ultimate family because he, he's first, right? But do you ever feel like, gosh, I'm tired? Yeah, there are days that are harder than others, but... Then goal is the more he can do for himself, the less that I have to do for him when the time comes. And that's what we should all strive for. Because I think a lot of parents and siblings realize the older our kids get, the more they can do for themselves, the less we not have to do for them, the less help they will need when their parents get older and can't help them anymore. Yeah. Because past a certain age, like you say, he's a big boy. My parents are now in their 50s. My dad is in his mid-60s. If he had not, if my brother had not learned years ago how to do certain things for himself, maybe my parents nowadays would not be able to help him with those things that he might need help with when I'm not in the house, for example. Yeah. So you've been working with me now for how long? Since 2011. Wow. 10 years. 10 years to work for Dr. Moody. That's not easy. but I remember when you first interviewed and, you know, I think you were one of the first siblings I hired to work in our school. Did you find that it was difficult working here and our job is not easy and having to go home and also work with your brother? Or did you find that it was easier because you worked here and, um, and because you kind of like picked up on certain things? that it made it easier for you when you were home. Because I often hear parents say, oh, I couldn't work there and and go home and have to deal with autism. It's hard. But did you find it that it was harder or do you think that it was beneficial? I think it made it easier. After the first training with Miss Sarah Bartlett, I took home the page that has all like the ABA terms. I showed it to my mom and I'm like, oh, here's why he does certain things he does. Here's how we can help him with this. Here's how we can help him with that. When he does this and we want to continue this behavior, we need to do positive reinforcement. Uh, I explained to to her why he stimmed. Mm -hmm. I explained to her that even if he says a word that's not said in the best way but it's an approximation it's still a word he is communicating and and we need to celebrate those right because that's the only way we're going to get him to continue doing that so you know um i think it's important that i get your voice out there so that other siblings could hear the things that you're saying because i was there did you hear of workshops that you could have gone to when you were growing up were they sib workshops like the ones because i know you've been to my sibling workshops before in the past you've you've actually helped me host some of my sibling workshops in the past when you were growing up was there that kind of support for you no back in the day i don't remember any workshops nowadays i'm sure if you look you will find them social media helps a lot with that okay and like you said we provide them so yeah we provide them yeah, because um, I think it's important that that you guys are not the forgive the the forgotten people in the home. I think it's important that you don't miss out on those 
those events that your friends are going to that you still get to be a child i think that's important and i'm happy to see that you you're still okay because even though you missed out on some of the things i hope you didn't miss out on everything i hope you did get an opportunity i did okay good 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 to know um so if it's one thing that you could leave us with like a thought a phrase uh uh, that you feel the siblings need to live by like what would that be I think siblings need to make themselves part of their sibling with a disability's life. Like they need to know the facts about what's going on in their life. Mm -hmm. Like for example, my brother went to a elementary school and the elementary school was going on field trips every week. I'm like, and I told my mom, what learning is he doing there? If he's going on field trips every week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious, who found Xbox for your brother, you or your parents? My parents. Okay. <laughs> and why did you want to work here? Curiosity. To better understand him and curiosity when I was volunteering as well. Yeah. Yeah, I totally forgot that you volunteered yeah. first before um, you actually start working with us. And if you could give a parent some advice on how to approach the neurotypical child that's home so there's no resentment or there's no feeling says of burden what would you tell a parent i wouldn't say be blunt about the facts but don't shield your neurotypical child from the ultimate truth yeah i've always told parents that the neurotypical child should be a part of the village they should be the biggest part of the village like you shouldn't decide well he's gonna go to this therapist no it should be we're getting together we're gonna interview together especially if you're gonna be a part of this person's life forever. One of the things that I like about your setup with your parents is that you come to my trainings, you know. So those of you guys who are listening, South Florida Autism Charter School parents has to do four trainings every year with me. I believe this is important for generalization so that the siblings, so that the parents know what we're doing in school. So they understand what it means to get guardianship and special needs trust, how to get on the waiver and so forth. And you've come to those trainings for your parents. And um, and I think that is big because I always tell parents, you can't wait until you're no longer around the person who's gonna take your child that's when they're trying to understand how to work with their child. So every time I see you at the training, I always thought it was really pretty cool that you were coming and you were understanding, not that you didn't know because you work at the school, but that you were still coming, you know, and you were still learning because sometimes the way I approach certain things with the teachers is different from the way I approach it with the parents. And I've always thought that was, that was really good that you did that. You took time out of your, your sadness to do that for your brother. So tell me a little bit about how he's doing. I haven't seen him for a while because of the pandemic. And he's also aged out. Right. We thought he was going to take being stuck at home very badly. But I spoke with him the way I usually speak with him. When I need to change something in his schedule, I sit him down. I tell him we're going to talk. And then I start off with, we're going to fix it. And that's when he gets a little anxious and he pays a lot of attention. Because when I tell him we're going to fix it, it means I'm taking something away, but I'm replacing it with something else. So that was back when the school was still being built. So I took a couple of pictures of like the construction site and I told them, I kind of lied to him. I told them, (laughs) we're going to fix it. Look, school is broken. We're going to fix it. And then, you know, when the time came that he needed to return to school in September, I still kind of told him the school was still broken and I was going to go fix it. That's why I was leaving in the morning and put him on my uniform shirt. 
Because he's so used to coming with you in the morning. Right. Yes. But he took uh, the pandemic pretty well. Like I said, we thought he was not going to take it well at all. So he's just waiting for the day to come back when the new school year starts. Yes. I can't wait to see him. He's probably like such a big man now. I yeah. feel like I haven't seen a lot of my students forever. It's almost two years, if it's not already. Like it feels like it's for a very long time. Yeah. Um, I think that you're doing a remarkable job. I hope that other siblings are listening to this. And um, and I've always uh, I've been telling folks that's been listening to our podcast that if they want any more information, feel free to to shoot us an email info at sfacs.org. Would you be willing to answer some of those questions if a sibling writes? You know, to hey, Mr. Y. You know, so I'm a I'm a sibling and I'm having a hard time dealing with my my brother's behavior. Could you give me some feedback? Would that be something that you think that you will be able to do if we get those? Yeah, I'll gladly help out. But I want to throw something out at you because this is one of the ones that gave me a hard time. Um, I had a sibling ask me uh, a couple months ago. You know, um, well, a parent called me and was talking to me about it. You know. Um, I, I, I just, Dr. Moody, I just, I hate the fact that I feel like I have to be responsible. Like, I have to be responsible. Um, and I said, what do you mean by that? You know, the mom was telling me that her child, because everything that is being said is almost if I have to take my brother. Or, you know, and I, I don't know if I want to. I'm about to go off to college, and I don't know if I want to come back. You know, um, and, and this parent like was in like she was really sad when she was talking to me about that, and I told her to have you know have him call me, and he hasn't called yet. I hope he's listening because I, I think that your your knowledge and your voice and just your experience would be will be beneficial to that particular family and that particular that brother who's is going off to college any day now, and is thinking that he doesn't want to come back home because he's lost so much. And his, his big thing was, and I don't know if you experienced this, was the embarrassment. And I, when I was asking, like, the mother, what do you mean the embarrassment? He would take off his clothes in public. He would strip. You know, we would be in a restaurant, and then they will be screaming, and everybody staring. And we had to leave. And, you know, and he's like, I'm happy I'm leaving because I need this four years of just not to just be able to go to a restaurant and just eat like anybody else. Um, an advice for him, because I need him to come back home. I think it's important that he come back home and still be a part of his sibling um, life. Um, and I know you've said that, you know, it's just one of those things you just have to, but it's, it's just not one of those things for everyone. I just, I think you're a different breed. I think you're an, an awesome guy. Um, but that person who's struggling with it. When it comes to the embarrassment part, I think that's just something society needs to work on. And we are working towards a better future by, by raising awareness. Because I feel like once society catches on that, like, hey, there are different individuals among us and they're different, but not in a negative way. They're just different. And that's it. We should just accept everybody for who they are. Because they're, we're all different in lots of ways. So the embarrassment factor, that will fade in time. Now him feeling like he doesn't want to come back. I understand we all need our decompression time. I think he might change his mind once once he spends more time in college and learns a bit more about other areas of expertise. They might raise his awareness and heighten his mental state to a more mature state where he's like, okay, this is not 
for lack of a better better metaphor, this is not a dog that somebody's like, hey, can you take care of my pet? This is your family member. Yeah, it's your blood. Would you want them to do that for you if, for ex- like, well, he was neurotypical and suddenly you're in, now in a car crash and you can't walk? Yeah. Or if you're paralyzed? Now they have to take care of you. Mm-hmm. When the tables turn, how would you feel if you were on the other side? Yeah. So I've learned a lot about your family just that I've known you for 10 years just by sitting here. I think I have more respect for you now than I had a couple and a half, a half an hour ago just by just listening you talk about your your brother um if there's something that SFACs can do for the community or for siblings you know what do you think that that would be i think we're already doing it we just need to get the word out there and spread through the whole of south florida to raise awareness so we don't have any siblings like this person in this case feeling embarrassed that the brothers having behaviors in public and people are just watching i think we just need to get to a point as a society where we see somebody acting different and go, oh, that must be a, spe- a person with special needs. And that's it. Yeah. Not make a big fuzz out of it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. You were amazing. I, I, like, I am like, I'm left speechless and I'm left with um, also feeling good about SFACs, that we're on the right track and, and that we are, you know, we should probably work on bringing more awareness to the job that we're doing here. and. I, I want to end by saying I'm so I'm so thankful and happy that you're a part of our our wonderful team and and that your family is a part of our family. Thank you for having me. Well, that was fantastic, Dr. Moody. Listening to uh, Mr. Y's story, you know there's there's so many folks out there I'm sure that that have that same problem like you brought up with the individual who is trying to think of what to do in their life and and. Uh, that has to be one of the most difficult decisions because you know he's right you know if you have a family member that were to get into a car accident and lose an arm or have to relearn how to walk you would want to be there for that family member and then likewise when you have a uh, a relative that has autism you want to be there for them like that it's a lifelong commitment but it is very challenging because as you said he's going to college he's maybe thinking about finding someone to be in love with might have a family might want to move to college Colorado, but because he needs to come back, he's thinking, "Oh, I, I this is this is not what I wanted. This is not what I wanted in life." And you know what? We, we find a lot of times sometimes you just can't have what you thought you were going to have in life if you really deeply care about those that are around you. And I, I mean, I also, um, while I agree with Mr. Y, I think that he's amazing. He's just an amazing soul, just sitting here talking. And I agree with what you just said. I just also think that. Not everyone can do it, and we shouldn't judge those who can't, but we should give them the tools that they need and, and, and give them the tools, give them the support, and give them the understanding too, because honestly, I don't have a child with autism. I know that's a question that's asked of me a lot, but I have a lot of children with autism at the same time, right? And I just feel like, you know, if, and, and this is a topic we're going to talk about later on, if putting a child in a home is the best thing for them and you go and visit you know because you just can't be that caretaker you know maybe it's also not a bad thing i just think what's the bad thing is that you put them there and then you don't go back 
That's what I was going to ask you, actually. I was really glad that you brought that up because, you know, what happens if you – I'm not a person that can handle that, right? Like, let's just say I just can't do it. I can't take care of them forever, and and I need to do, to do something with them. I can't just leave them alone. They're my family. Um, you know, I was going to ask you, what do you do? And you mentioned a, a home is one option. Yes. What are other options that families have if, if it's just the one brother or the one sister that's left – you know, parents are getting old, grandparents are gone. What do you do? Well, residential is a big thing in Florida that uh, folks are doing. We at SFOX is planning on doing a villages. Um, um, and we should be starting to talk about that in the next couple of years from now. And I, I, those are just, there's not a lot of options, unfortunately. Um, and it's expensive options that, that's out there as well. And the ones who are not expensive may not be where the parents would like their children to go. So that's why I think like, you know, it, it's a community. So the siblings and the parents need to make these decisions already, already start talking about what's going to happen. Mom, I want to live in, my, my, one of my daughters want to live in California. <laughs> you know, if I did have a sibling, if she did have a sibling, I would have those conversations with her. I'm going to be like, yes, that's great that you want to live in. And I'm okay with that. I'm supportive of that. But is it possible for us to like maybe move to California while I'm still kicking so that I know that it's close by where you are because we don't want the siblings to be by themselves forever but at least within driving distance you know because it's okay it's okay to feel like I can't do this because not every sibling's job is gonna give them the if they join the military they may not be able to to provide that care in their home because they're living on base you know they may have a job that uh takes them away from svax but you're going to take them away from the one family the one constant which is us so you know so there's all these different obstacles and there's all these different things that may prohibit the child from living with their sibling but i think that's okay though as long as it's done the right way it's done as uh, it, it's talked about now. This is why my upcoming workshop on residential and guardianship and special needs trust is extremely important because those are the things that we need to consider and to be talked about. It's not things that need to be talked about when we're no longer around. Definitely. One that you should definitely be talking about early on and learning as much as possible because they're some of the most important parts of having a child with autism. And I'm really glad you brought up the villages and the plan that you guys have here. That's, um, you know, breaking for a minute. That's one thing that for my family, because you know that I have two children with autism and our family is disabled. And one of the things that we talked about when we were first looking at SFAX was, hey, do you see this, what they're trying to build here? They're trying to build a residential that's not just a residential. It's a residential that's a part of the community that they've grown up with. People that are going to be there are alumni of the school. People that are going to work there are people they worked with when they were going to, to, to first grade and second grade. This is a family. And what really makes a huge difference is it lets them have an opportunity to be with people they know while maybe living independently, which is something that I think it seems like almost every uh, family wants to see uh, an autistic child be able to thrive and and not have to rely on parents. But that doesn't mean you leave and never come back. Yeah. It's your, your kids. You want to come by and see them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's you know, autism, is, it's not easy. But I think that planning and preparing as best as you can of course there's no perfect plan right and you could prepare all you want and things don't work out the way you wish but if you start the conversation 
and you build on that village. I'm a big believer in that village need to be strong and that village need to be revisited like every so often, make sure the same people are still a part of that decision making and and bring the siblings in a part of the decision. They have to feel like they're a part of. They can't feel like they're forced to. Makes a lot of sense. Oh. Dr. Tamara Moody with the South Florida Autism Charter School. You're listening to the Autism 411 podcast. Dr. Moody, if they want to reach you, um, if they have questions or maybe they want to talk to Mr. Y, again, what is uh, some ways that they can reach you? Info at sfacs.org. Or you could follow us on our Facebook, Instagram, and shoot us a message. And we will promise we will get back to you as quickly as possible. Well, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And we look forward to another podcast coming up soon. Thank you. This has been the Autism 411 podcast with Dr. Tamara Moody from the South Florida Autism Charter School. To learn more, visit sfacs.org.